first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT. And he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Well, a little bit more than halfway through the season. We had planned originally to have this be a halfway through the season type of video, but with the short week, we decided to do it after week nine. So instead of through eight weeks, it's through nine weeks. We are bringing our top three guys who we think exceeded expectations, have not lived up to the expectations. Now, to clarify, these could be expectations set by the Colts when they drafted them, by local media, by fans. All that is fair game in this video. And so we're going to just talk about it. We're going to talk about it. I know, Derek, you and I have shared our list with each other. We have a slightly different list. We have some commonality, but we also have some, some players who are a little bit different in our opinions. So I'll start with my first guy on the guy who I think has exceeded expectations. It's the most obvious guy for me, or one of the most obvious guys, I would say. That's Tyquan Lewis. I think that's one that we can agree on. Tyquan Lewis coming into the year, I mean, it was questionable if he was even going to have a role on this team even making the roster. Like, that was a big thing. We weren't even sure. And we follow the Colts day in and day out. You know, based off of his first couple of years in the league, really wasn't a ton that he had done that really showed that he belonged on this Colts roster. And, uh, you know, obviously some Colts fans are kind of superstitious with some Ohio State players and, you know, the lack of productivity on the Colts, whether that be injuries or other things. And some people were like, oh, is Lewis just the next guy in line that isn't producing from Ohio State? I know you don't like to hear that, Derek, but (laughs) that was a thing that's been among Colts fans. I'm not saying I believe it or not believe it. That's for a different video for a different time. But I think just what he's done coming in, what he did in the offseason, you know, the time and effort that he put in to be a better player. I mean, it's shown itself. And now he's started some games this year for you. And he's a key piece to that defensive line. He's a young guy. He's probably going to earn another contract with you. It's crazy to me to, to think about this guy that we said on this podcast he could be cut at the end of the preseason or end of training camp, I guess, so they didn't have preseason. Well, that is the reason also why he's not on my list is because he's majorly exceeded expectations to the point where we've talked about him so much that like I don't even feel like I needed to put him on this list because he's been the guy. He has been the model of most improved guy throughout this year that like you said we we were making videos on whether or not this guy was going to get cut at the beginning of training camp and then now all of a sudden he's potentially a starter so but I think the first guy for me when it comes to exceeding expectations outside of Taekwon Lewis Taekwon Lewis is in a category of himself I think The other one that's exceeded it for me is Xavier Rhodes. I have to mention that name because, you know, when this guy was brought in, we knew, oh, you know, he's going to be that veteran piece, you know, the kind of guy that helps this young secondary kind of learn. But you didn't know exactly what his role was going to be. You know, is he going to be quarterback number two? Is he going to be cornerback number one? And whether or not he was actually going to play and how good was he actually going to be? I mean, most, mo- I'd say the ma- probably the slight majority of people, whether that be from fans or local media, said, 
this guy's probably not going to live up to anything really good. I mean, we'd be lucky to get 50% of what he was. And there's a couple people like you and I that kind of said, you know, we could probably see him play pretty well. If we get like 70% of what he was when he was an all pro 60, 70% of what he was when he was an all pro, that's still a very solid cornerback. And we're like, okay, we can live with that. Right. Cause you're getting him on a veterans minimum as is. So, and then he comes in here and PFF has him graded as the third best corner in all of football. I mean, this guy is on a tear this year. He has yet to allow a third down pass all this year. He has locked down some really good wide receivers this year. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown. The list just keeps going. And this guy has just done an incredible job. And he's certainly exceeded my expectations and pretty much all of Colts Nation. This guy has basically revitalized and saved his career off of coming to Indianapolis and showing, hey, I still got it. I might be 29 on the verge of 30, but man, I still got it. I still got a lot left in me. So I love what I've seen from Rhodes. He's my first guy. I completely like when he said Xavier Rhodes, it's like, oh, duh, obviously. He's had a really big impact. And he's, this guy's not on my list, but let's just throw in TJ Carey with it, with him as well. Both these guys brought in via free agency at the cornerback position. I feel like both of them have lived up to expectations, even though they're not on our list. I just want to give him a small shout out there. Yeah. All right. So for my number two guy who's improved and you know gained expectations has got, gotten a lot better from the expectations that were placed on him. Man, it has got to be Mark Glowinski. And this coming from me, I'm happy to be proved wrong by Mark Glowinski. I feel like he's done a really, really solid job um, this season. I don't believe he's a lot of sack. He's we all we already know how good of a run uh, blocker he is. So I feel like Mark Lewinsky's just uh, gotten better. He's improved this season. I didn't think he could, but he has, and he's exceeded the expectations that I placed on him. And whenever you have a weak link on your offensive line, no matter how good your offensive line is, there's always a guy that, that you could point to and say it's his fault if a bad play happens. That's what I did last year a lot of times, and some other fans did as well. But yeah, I've been really impressed with how he has improved. So I'm kind of retracting my statement if I can do that for Mark <laughs> Lewinsky because he has gone out there and he's proved me wrong. And I'm happy if a Colts player does that for me, quite honestly. So he is my number two guy who has exceeded expectations. Derek, who's number two for you? Well, um, I'm glad that you were able to finally take back some of the things you've said about Glowinski. Certainly know that from the multiple texts that I used to get every Sunday last year saying that, you know, occasionally you didn't enjoy his performances. You know, I'm going to just say this. He's my third guy. I might as well just mention him now because he's on my list as well. I'll skip my number two and I'll just go to my number three. And that is Glowinski as well. I mean, I got to give some offensive guys some love here. And Glowinski has certainly been one. An honorable mention here is I would love to give to Braden Smith as well. Because both of these guys on the right side of the line have really turned it on this year and have really solidified that right side, especially in the run game, but even more so in the passing game. I would say Braden Smith would be on this list, and he's very close. But the thing is, is he was already that good that I knew he could be better, that I knew like that kind of just came to me. But Glowinski, we know from last year, you know, he struggled. He was considered the weak link when it came to this offensive line. But Yet the funny thing is, like, when your worst link is a solid player offensive lineman, then you're doing a pretty damn good job. But 
Kulwinski this year just seems to have turned up a whole nother leaf. Me personally, I actually think this year he's been the third best offensive lineman on this group. I'd actually put Costanzo and Kelly below him. I think Lewinsky's actually been the third best one behind Nelson and Braden Smith because, you know, there's been multiple times where I've seen Costanzo and Kelly out of place at times. And I, I've very rarely seen Glowinski make mistakes this year. So yeah, Glowinski's number three for me. I might as well just finish it up with my number two. And this one might be a little bit of a surprise to some people. It might throw you off a little bit, but mine is Julian Blackman. Now I knew that Julian Blackman could be a stud when he got into this defense, but I never anticipated what I've seen from him this year. I mean, This was a guy that less than a year ago had torn his ACL and, you know, comes into the season not knowing whether or not he's going to play until basically about this time. People were saying, you know, if he's not ahead of schedule, right about now is when he was supposed to start. And this guy's been playing now for six weeks. So he comes into this season with basically just having to learn the playbook and learn tendencies all through online, right? And not being able to do 100% when it comes to his workouts, 100% when it comes to on-the-field practices. He wasn't able to do any of those until almost week two of the season. So this guy comes in, he does what he does, and then he has completely looked like he's been in this system for years. I mean, it's incredible just how quick he was. I could really do just about this entire secondary, I could just say, has completely blown out expectations for all Colts fans this year. I was about to mention Corey Willis, your guy, because, you know, the stats, even though Corey Willis was good last year, has just been miles ahead of what he was last year, which is incredible. But yeah, Julian Blackman, just because of the fact that he wasn't supposed to play until midway through the season anyway, And Lord knows none of us expected him to be this good the way he is now. But he fits into the system perfectly, and that's why he's my number two. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, for me, uh, like you mentioned, Kari Willis was one of my honorable mentions. Okariki, another one, because I feel like they both stepped up their games. But, you know, like you mentioned earlier, both these guys already were playing phenomenal last year. So the leap, while it's significant, it's not as significant as the other guys. You know, we expected these guys to improve in year two, whereas this next guy that I'm going to talk about, he had a really down year last year, and that is Danico Autry. Danico Autry had a really rough year last year, three and a half sacks the entire season after leading the team the season before, almost to double-digit sacks in 2018, had a down year 2019, and through nine games, Danico Autry leads the Colts with sacks so far, and he's not even a starter. He's just a rotational piece right now on this defensive line. Danico Autry moved out to defensive end. He was playing the three technique the last two years, obviously, with the force. Buckner now, he's moved outside, and I think he's thrived and had one of his better seasons at getting after the quarterback on pace right now for double-digit sacks. So that is definitely great news, especially for a guy that I was kind of just like, you know, we were even talking, Derek, veteran cuts, and they, we threw out that name to Nico Autry. Could that potentially be a guy that you cut? And he credit him, man. He's come back. And honestly, I think he might, if he keeps his pace up, he's earned another contract with the Colts, in my opinion. So to Nico Autry, for me, undoubtedly is the guy 
that I just didn't know what the expectations were going to be. I didn't have them set high. I was cautiously optimistic. I thought maybe with the force Buckner, some of these improvements on the defensive line, it can allow Autry to get back to that 2018 form. But I wasn't counting on it because, you know, the season before spoke for itself. So those are my three guys, and those are your three guys. Let's move over now to the guys who expectations were set high. Maybe it's for some too high, and maybe it's not entirely their fault. But these are the guys who have not lived up to those expectations. Uh, and Derek, I'll let you go first. Who is your first guy who has not exceeded expectation or lived up to the hype this season? Well, I think my number one is also your number one. I think that's certainly something that we can both agree on here. And that has been T.Y. Hilton this year. T.Y. Hilton just really hasn't looked like, you know, the normal T.Y. Hilton we're used to seeing. And, you know, some to fault of himself, some not to his fault. You know, we kind of had said that, you know, Hilton in the beginning of the year, Phillip Rivers really tried to get him involved and he had all the drop issues. That was his big issue as to why he was, you know, not looking like himself. And then ever since then, Phillip Rivers has done a really good job of facing it out, giving the ball, giving the rock to a lot of different guys. And that's not to T.Y. Hilton's fault. That's just how this offense runs, and that's how it's going to continue to run at least this season. So really not T.Y. Hilton's fault there. But like you said, T.Y. Hilton just not a guy that has lived up to the expectation or what we thought he could become this season. We thought Phillip Rivers was going to come in, establish that bond with T.Y. Hilton, similar to how him and Andrew Luck once did it. And then – it just hasn't been that all season. And we, it's kind of been the downfall of this whole offensive pass production because really T.Y. Hilton was expected to be that guy and go be the key go-to when things got bad or needed help, and he just hasn't been that. And now we're on the verge of questioning whether or not he, Hilton's coming back next year. So very disappointed from Hilton's production standpoint some to his fault, some to not. But, yeah, that's my number one. Yeah, I'll just move on to my number two because I think you pretty much touched on just about every single thing there. With T.Y. Hilton, he was definitely one of them on my list. For me, i got to definitely go Anthony Costanzo. And that's something that nobody's really talked about. You know, there's been some other guys on this list, like T.Y. Hilton, you mentioned the other guy I'll talk about, that people have just been like, man, it's so obvious that they're not living up to expectations. For Anthony Costanzo, nobody's really talking about him. It's only been recently where people have realized, yeah, Costanzo's not really had a great year. And that's very strange considering what he's been the last couple seasons for the Colts. He's been one of the top offensive linemen. We would say he was probably one of the best run-blocking offensive linemen on the Colts for years and years. And this year, it just seems like he's taken a step back. And we obviously know he he signed that two-year extension in the offseason. He thought, okay, I'll get a couple more years of high play out of him. We never thought that when he contemplated retirement this last offseason, it was because he felt like he couldn't play. And it's just been strange to see that, to see his play drop off, to see him struggling against pass rushers and kind of be, honestly, it's weird to say, but I think he right now is a weak click on this offensive line. Maybe that's a little controversial, but quite honestly, he just has not been the Anthony Costanzo that we're used to. He's still been okay, I believe. But like for me, I don't know. I expected more out of him. And to just see how much he struggled this season and how much the Colts' run offense especially has struggled because of his struggles, it's been baffling to me. 
Yeah, I'll agree with you on Costanzo that, you know, he's not been the Anthony Costanzo that we know. So I'd say he's solid to, he's kind of what Glowinski was last year. Very strong in some areas, some areas it wasn't, but Costanzo is still a good player, but not as good as we remembered. And I might as well just, I'll throw another offensive lineman's name out there. And this will shock some people because I've been high on this guy. And in no way, shape, or form am I saying that he's a bad player. No way am I saying that because I still believe this guy's one of the best at what he does. I absolutely believe it. I'm just saying from my expectations, from what I've seen, he has not, I've seen multiple plays where this guy gets beat and I'm shocked by it. And that is Ryan Kelly. After this offseason, you know, this man just got paid. This man just got paid the most money by a center in NFL history, man. This guy just got paid some good cash. And this year, he's not run blocking the way that a normal high-paid center does. There were multiple blocks in the Lions game where he either just looked lost or got blown off his block. Like, that is not something I am normally used to seeing happen with Ryan Kelly. It's usually the opposite way. And don't get me wrong, there's been some other times that he's been good. I mean, this last week with uh, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly, they were both PFF's highest-graded players at their position for that game and throughout the week. I mean, they were the highest-graded center and guard. So this week, the whole offensive line in general – This week really bounced back. They played a much more clean game from both run blocking and pass blocking. But like I said, there were multiple times in the Lions game, a couple times in, and and it's been with the run game in general. The center in the middle of the field is the anchor in the middle. He helps move this offensive line. He is in charge of making things work better. He had some plays where he messed up against Jacksonville. Some plays were messed up against Minnesota. I can keep going with this. It's just been, I think that's one of the reasons why this offensive line has just not been blocking as well as been the slight downfall of Ryan Kelly this year, especially in the run blocking. I think that's just been an issue. Again, I'm not saying he's bad. Not saying that. I'm saying from my expectations, this year he has taken a slight step back. And given the way this offensive line has played this year, that's not unusual or that's not a bad thing for me to say or point out because it's true yeah and I mean the thing is like they showed improvement in this last game so the thing is like they can still have a strong second half of the season even if they haven't performed like we expected I mean when you pay a center what you pay him you expect him to be one of the top players that everything he does and so for Kelly to not be that great at run blocking this year is certainly a little bit jarring but that is that's interesting I didn't think you'd bring up Ryan Kelly you might have some angry people in the comments for that one yeah I might have a few but I don't I don't care especially for me as a guy that played center in high school I take pride in that and I understand how important the center is for run blocking and again like I said I've just seen him miss a bunch of blocks or sometimes just look lost again not saying he's a bad player I'm just saying by what I normally see him do, he just hasn't quite looked like that this year, and it's just been odd. Yeah, I think just the left side in general has been a big yeah, disappointment. Yeah, left side in general has been a little eh. Quentin Nelson's like, still been good, but like good for Quentin Nelson is not good enough. <laughs> he needs to be very good right. in order to be able to say this is what he needs to be. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, dare I even talk about Quentin Nelson? Because fans will attack us, and we will go from four thousand subscribers <laughs> to four in a matter of seconds. But no, I think, I think it's true. Like, you know, all of them have not lived up to the expectations we're no, we're normally used to, and it's weird seeing the right side exceeding expectations, but the left side's kind of yeah. struggling a little bit now. This last game, they performed really, really well. So I'm hoping that's a trend that continues. Nelson had his best game of his career, I would probably say. I mean, just looking at Xavier's, you know, his film analysis of this game, he said, man, Quentin Nelson was just, he had probably 10 pancake blocks in this game alone. The good thing is it seems like the Colts are starting to get their mojo back and running the football. And I think Naheem Hines certainly helps in that. But it's great to see them getting a little bit more physical. Hopefully, you know, with this this last performance from Kelly, and Nelson can really propel this offensive line forward because you're going to need that down the stretch if you want to beat some of these good teams. If you go into the postseason, you got to be able to run the football. So I definitely agree with you there, Derek. I did have one more guy. I mean, I think the third one's pretty obvious. It's Jonathan Taylor. And I don't – and, you know, people are going to freak out maybe, but, like, I don't put it all on Jonathan Taylor. We talked about the run blocking has not been great. You know, Taylor hasn't been great either in spurts. And, you know, but I think just the expectation, when you see the stats that he had at Wisconsin in the last couple of years, you're like, man, this guy's going to be rookie of the year. I mean, I think that was literally people's expectations coming yeah, in. That's the problem. That. I mean, I remember people calling for Marlon Mack to be benched because they wanted to see Jonathan Taylor be the starting running back. I remember seeing that in, in you know, the early when they got drafted, which is crazy. But like, like now looking at it, it's like, what were you talking about? But Exactly. Because that was the issue. That was our fault. That was the fans' fault. That was the national media's fault. That was everyone's fault. To say this guy who might go down as on Mount Rushmore as one of the greatest college football running backs we've ever seen when it comes to stat-wise is going to come in here right off the bat and say it's just going to tear the league on uh, on fire. But it just didn't happen. It didn't happen partially because – There was no preseason. There was no chances to get that extra time to learn. The offensive line has not been up to standards. Frank Reich has been a little bit to blame with that. And Jonathan Taylor's had some issues with that. So again, it's a spiral of a lot of things that have caused Jonathan Taylor to look like an average running back. I mean, I apologize because I'm one of those people too. We were all like that. And that was our fault because now we feel like our expectations were let down because we put so much hype on this guy when we need to maybe pump the brakes on this a little bit. And let's just say, okay, let's give him a little bit of time. Maybe he can still become that, but it might take him a year or two to actually figure it out. It took Marlon Mack that long, so who knows. But the one guy I had and – a guy that hasn't played since week two, and that's Malik Hooker. You know, we're now starting to think along the lines of, is this guy going to remain on the roster at the end of the year? I'd say the majority of people say no, because I don't know if the Colts are going to give him an extension because they declined the fifth-year option earlier this offseason. And with the way Julian Blackman is now playing, there's almost no chance that Malik Hooker gets to start, let alone be on the roster. So. That was very unfortunate. You know, This the career of Malik Hooker here in Indianapolis just really didn't get off to a good start at all. That's been the expectation of – there wasn't a lot of expectations on Malik Hooker going into this season, and that's kind of what baffles me even more is because there weren't a lot of them on there to begin with, but let alone now, he's 
just not done anything at all for us this season because obviously the injury, another one. So it's unfortunate that we may not see Malik Hooker anymore after this season. He's going to want to go out and possibly try to find a new home where somebody's going to be willing to give him a shot and hopefully he fits in somebody else's system. He's just not really fitting very well here in Indianapolis. Yeah, it sucks because I was a Malik Hooker guy too. Like I believed in him. I thought he was going to be a top safety. We saw that early spurts of that early on in the 2017 season. I mean, what, three interceptions in so many games to start his career. Looking very promising. And then just injuries, inconsistencies, scheme change, all that stuff has impacted Malik Hooker. I think it's virtually impossible to say he's going to come back this next season in a Colts uniform. I just don't think it's going to happen, which really stinks because he has a lot of talent. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got everything you look for. But the injury history and the inconsistencies, those are the two biggest things. So I definitely agree. He's been a major disappointment. I mean, not just this season. I mean, ever since he was drafted, beyond that for those first couple games, he just really hasn't done a ton. So I definitely agree with you there. But all righty, I think that'll wrap up this podcast, guys. Let us know in the comments. Are there any other guys that you think exceeded expectations, haven't lived up to expectations? Let us know. For Derek and myself, thank you guys so much. And as always, go Colts.